What we do here is go back, 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 back. Hello and welcome to This Podcast is Delicious. I'm Ali Hassan. Who are you, bud? I'm Marco Timpano, at least last time I checked. I was, yeah, yeah. We are uh, we are coming to you from a place of great passion uh, today. Shit, let me hold on, Michael. All right, all right. You're coming in a little hot too. Coming in too hot. Too yeah, yeah, a little. Yeah, too excited. All right, let's um, do this again. Have yeah, we talk, talk listen? Uh, have we played Beverly before this episode? Yes, Beverly played. She she just emailed us to, to see if she could post it on her Instagram. Yeah, I'm I like, shot. yes. Yeah, I told. I just responded yes. Okay. And uh, Beverly has already played, so that's in. The yeah, yeah. And and uh, Nima, our friend, my friend Nima in Los Angeles said he loved the episode. He was like, "Hey, I was with you guys the whole time. I was guessing wines, and he's like, I guessed Pinot Pinot Noir or whatever it was, and he was really yeah, happy. Yeah. And then he okay, heard my great. excitement. So it was a, it was a, it was a great episode. Okay, awesome. Great. All right, Here so let's start, and I'll say a thank you to Beverly Grand. All right, cool. Yeah. Hello and welcome to This Podcast is Delicious. I'm Ali Hassan. Who are you, bud? Uh, last time I checked, I was Marco Timpano and I still am. And you, you continue yeah. to be Marco Timpano. Hello, everyone. I, uh, uh, I, I want to say before we get started with today's episode, thank you for your interest and in, uh, attention and encouragement over the last few weeks. We've had some pretty wonderful guests and last week was Beverly Crandon, a sommelier of Caribbean descent who... Has, has taken upon herself, you know, the task of pairing wines with things like jerk chicken, curry goat, and things like that. And she was, what a great chat that was. Oh, and man. we got some great emails about that. People were, like, right on board trying to guess the wines that she was, um, uh, you know, because you did you did a little pop quiz with her. You put her on the spot. She had no problem with that. Oh, whatsoever. man, she was, was, she was swatting. Anything I threw at her, she was swatting it down and, and making it right. She's awesome. And uh, Trevor Louis recently, we had a, a chat with him. He's a restaurateur, restaurant owner. Um, he's so much more than that. He's also the owner of um, Quell, which is sort of a uh, an agency that represents BIPOC talent, whether they be chefs or bartenders or anybody in the food industry. And yeah. they're getting them paid for the first time in a long time. Getting them paid course, right. Like getting them yeah. paid uh, rates that, that yeah. everyone should be getting. Exactly right. Yeah, that that, that that deserves to be mentioned. Yeah, and of course we have the the King of Kings, Bob Bloomer. We have a part two parter uh, interview that we had with him uh, just about a month, month and a half ago. That was a fantastic chat. So thank you for your feedback. We hope you'll be okay with this. It's just going to be Marco and I talking oh, to each other. Is that still a thing we do, Marco? I think for sure, for sure. I mean, you're in your home, I'm in mine. Uh, you know, we're still kind of distant, but we're uh, you know together at last. Just you and I, you and I, buddy. Right yeah. now, people are just like turning this off. Don't do that. Yep. Don't do that. You know what? This no. is a this is a conversation that actually uh, Marco brought to my attention. Something that I didn't know Marco was this passionate about. Um, it's something that's affected you deep in your soul. It's something that keeps you up late at night, Marco. It's well, something that's brought you to tears, I believe. No, I no, no joke, no. but you know, like it really, so during the pandemic, I came to a realization and this realization is that I don't like beer. Beer's not my thing. I've been drinking it for over 20 years. I've been conditioned to believe that beer is what I'm supposed to drink. And I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I, I kind of reflected and thought, you know, this is toxic masculinity in the food and beverage uh, area. Like as a child, 
watching my father drink beer, watching commercials that said drinking beer is a very Canadian thing and how boys go out to drink beer, like men go out to drink beer and beer, beer and going to university and everybody at the pub drinking beer and, and hanging out with the guys. And, you know, I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't dare ask for a cocktail in a glass that had an umbrella because I know how all my buddies would look at me. And so I was drinking beer, even though I didn't enjoy it. I was getting intoxicated on a beverage that I didn't enjoy. From and day all, one. From never, day never one. Enjoy it. Really? Okay. Beer, beer was not my thing. Beer yeah, was not yeah. my thing. And we had wine in the home too. But if I think about it, I much prefer uh, the complexity of mixed drinks. And it goes even as far as this. So I've worked as a waiter and as a bartender, and I always associated gin and tonics with old ladies because I worked in a in a country club and old ladies would order gin and tonics. So I stayed far away from it because to me, that was a drink that men didn't drink. And I I love gin and tonics now. Like I've been drinking gin and tonics for the last five years and thinking they're so beautiful. They're so floral. There's so much character to gin, gin with tonic or gin with other mixes or gin in cocktails. And I'm like, well, you, and we had this conversation with Beverly last week, right? About uh, early conditioning and gin. You know what? We should do a deep dive on gin because as I was telling you in my house, we had beef eater gin, right? If you know the label of beef eater, it is, um, what are they called? They're called uh, beef eaters. They're called beef they're eaters. They're called beef eaters. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's a, I think there might be a pejorative term that I was looking for. Let it's, me stop searching my mind, but no, it is. Those guys, those British kind of guardsmen, they're called beef eaters and they have a yeah. weird hat that kind of looks a like a. tall hat and they yeah. stand at attention. People yeah. try to mock them because they are so known for their composure and their dignity. Yeah. But if you want to talk about stereotypically masculine, uh, you know, symbols, they have classically been men. I don't know if women get hired sure. to be beef eaters. Uh, it's a man in a furry hat in a, you know, a, in a, in a, uh, a uniform. Mm -hmm. And so it's a pretty masculine symbol on the gin. And yet my dad would say things like, well, you always have to have gin. You never know. Sometimes the ladies who come over, right. they want gin. Right. So it was like, okay, that's got a masculine symbol. My dad just said it was for the ladies. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, when we, I was telling Beverly, we did shots of gin once because we were bored of all this. Right. Other, and that's, that'll set you back a few years right there doing shots of gin. At least the terrible stuff, in, 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 of course. So, yeah, these things, you know, messaging is, is, is key. And so... Who do you have a problem with right now, Marco? Is it the advertising world? Is it your father? No, it's Is not it my, the men around you who would not allow you to. No, it's actually not my dad because even so, we made wine in the house, which I also mentioned in the last last week's episode. We made both white and red wine, and my dad would drink white wine. And oftentimes, yet again, you know, growing up, I always knew that men drink red and women drink white, and. I would always go to red. I think even early in the podcast, I talk about how I, how I enjoy reds and reds are, are, are my wine. It's like, no, I love white. Like I've really gotten to white wines on a, on a warm day, a cool white. Yes. A rosé. Like the last thing, you know, I would have gone into a bar, you know, 10 years ago and ordered was a rosé because that was quote unquote, you know, the woman's wine, a brunch wine, women who lunch wine. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's a great, 
great, cool uh, summer thing. And in Europe, they don't have that sort of stigma that we have with alcohol and masculinity. Because I know when I was living in Italy and going out with friends, you know, you'd go to a bar, you'd go to a club. And I'm sure Jenny Arena, who's a good friend of the podcast listening, will be like, yes, men would go to the bar and say, I'll have a, a vodka and lemon soda. And lemon soda was this kind of mixed like ginger beer, but they'd put it in a tall glass and make it look really, you know, beautiful and presentational. And, you know, me and my buddies in these clubs would be drinking things that here in clubs I would never order. So yeah. I think it's a very North American thing. And I'm sad. Totally I'm sad to think that all these years having fun with friends meant drinking beer because I'm a man and uh, I probably would have enjoyed other things. To drink, and I should have been, you know, capable and able to say, no, I don't like beer. I don't want to drink beer. I want to drink uh, whatever it is, uh, mm. Campari and soda, one of my favorite sort of drinks, or an Aperol spritz, which now is all the rage, and a lot of men are drinking, women are drinking. Now it's become in fashion, right? But for the longest time, you know, I would see it when I was in Europe, and when I'd come home, I'd be like, I don't dare, I don't dare order that and i'm sad i'm sad and i just want to say that unnecessary calories too buddy look at my shape avoided my hourglass beer we can't blame you for all of that you you love your dessert and your food but yeah but but honestly beer is like if there's one thing i can say bad about beer it's yeah glow you know in the short term bloating uh, medium term gassiness and long term extra weight and i know as soon as i lay off the beer you give me three to four weeks without beer and my body starts to change immediately and i don't drink more than three or four a a, a day like i'm not a a 12 pack a day but even just taking that little bit of beer but the but the toxic masculinity goes even there um ali because if you have a beer belly or a beer gut it's almost like a badge of honor it's not like i'm overweight and i should lose this like no i earned this this is my beer gut it's not it's not something to be ashamed of as much it is something to tout or it's one of the things that people will tout oh it's my beer gut it's my beer gut right versus like you know i need to slim down for my health right so you know i think there's this interesting thing with regards to toxic masculinity and i think it's just come up really i've become really aware of it recently because of what happened in the US with Roe versus Wade because it's it it, it was um pride and so all these things get mixed up you know, all these things sort of come to light. You're like, you know what? All those years I could have been enjoying beverages that I truly enjoy. And I kind of, I kind of went with the flow and did what I was sort of conditioned to believe. And that sure. stops, that stops. I, you know, I do, I will drink beer. I do like a Sapporo depending on what I'm having, but overall beer is not my thing. And from this day forward, I can promise myself that I'm going to drink what I want. And I don't care what glass, what it looks like, who, what kind of face I get from anyone I order it from, whether it be from rosé to the fanciest, most decorated cocktail uh, to a simple Campari on ice. I'm going to order what I want. I'm with you, buddy. I mean, you know, I, I have a fondness for beer, but I do not have a fondness for toxic masculinity. And it, it right. um, y- you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast before. I had this summer where I was going to parties Right. Uh, including just like a hotel room party. We do a comedy festival and somebody would be like the parties in my room. And I would appear <laughs> with a bottle of gin, uh, Hendrix, if it was a nice party, uh, Boodles, if it was a, you know, less nice, but Boodles is still a great gin. Sure. And then, um, a peeler and a cucumber. 
Oh, okay. I was and, wondering what, what you uh, meant I was, by I was mocked. Yeah, oh. a, a vegetable peeler. And okay. I was I was mocked uh, and I didn't care because I'm like, it's the summer. And you know what? You If you can find me a drink right now that goes better than a, you know, two ounces of gin, shaved, peeled cucumber, not chunks, yeah. peeled, yep. and, uh, and, and, uh, and some tonic. I mean, I'm open to it. Sure. But right now, this is the best tasting thing, and I was uh, I was really enjoying that. And then eating the cucumbers after, I think it slowed down my drinking as well. It was like a whole thing. Um, yeah, I'm with you, and you're you know I think part of it is people fear change, and so somebody comes in with something different. Oh, what is this now? Right that that's a small part of it, but a, but a big part of it is also like these gendered roles, and this is why when I see. Um, you know, there's so much stuff that just gets dismissed as like, come on, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Right, you right. see little uh, t-shirts that's a pink t-shirt for a kid that says, right. I'm a princess, and a blue shirt that says, like, uh, future whatever, handyman or something like that. Sure, sure. It always bothers me. It always, yeah. it always it bothered me, like, decades ago to see, like, a pink birthday theme for yeah. a girl and a blue birthday for a boy. Because to me... That turns into things like, you know, the color pink, uh, and actually I've been corrected and the shirt I'm talking about is salmon anyway, as if, as if somebody who's going to insult the color really cares. But yeah, it, it's um, still a shade of pink salmon. It's still yeah. a shade of pink yeah. salmon. It, <laughs> like it brings out my eyes, man. It makes, it lights up my face. Like I didn't know this, but like there's a salmon really is like a good color for my skin. Oh, I mean, and your I, skin tone, jewel colors. Now, okay, this is Marco talking fashion. I, I know this because of my wife and all the and all the Italian background genetically, you know, like exposed. Yeah. I'm probably related to Versace because he's from my dad's part of Italy. <clears throat> but that said, jewel tones on South Asian skin always look beautiful, right? And bring out highlights. So those colors that you find in jewels would work great with you and your Thank skin you tone. Very much. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. So I've been told I'm in autumn, so I look, you know, the yellows and like the changing colors in the fall, yellows, reds, uh, or sorry, burgundies, greens, sure. that's like So anyway, I have this salmon shirt and you know, the same people who'd be like nice pink shirt, you loser, or nice pink shirt, you queer, like right. they're saying it you know, in jest, and I'm taking it as a joke, but part of me is like, this is years of conditioning. And this is also the reason why I wouldn't feel comfortable ordering a rosé, even though right. I would love a rosé. And in certain company, let's get this white wine sangria. It looks good. It looks delicious. It's 35 degrees outside. Uh, that's in the 90s for our uh, American friends. Right. It's a hot day. White wine sangria. Why? Because I don't get tired after white wine. Sure. I still feel alert. Might get a little buzz. It's like still there's like nutrition in it with the fruits and right. macerated. And I mean, I have 10 reasons I can come up with to have a white yeah. wine sangria pitcher, you know, pitcher, you know, I'm still like yeah. a heavy drinker, but yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I still want to pound back some, some drinks. And in certain company, you can't. And why? Because it's that conditioning from a young age. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, people do dismiss it as, come on, it's just a joke. I saw this one, um, uh, it was a jumper 
Uh, is a jumper the right word? You know, it's basically a one piece for a kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah it wraps yeah. around the di- diaper. It wraps around the diaper, so the legs are exposed. Sure. And then, uh, and then it's like you know, covers the rest, piece, right? Yeah. Covers a onesie, the rest. Yeah. The short sleeve. A onesie is the word I'm looking yeah. for. For God's yeah. sake, I'm a terrible. I, I think the Brits call something that we they call something a jumper that we don't. But anyways, yes. yeah, yeah. So uh, I saw a onesie. Made for young ladies, and on in the in the in the center, it said, "I hate my thighs." Right. Oh, that's terrible. And you know, yeah, you want to dismiss that as a joke, like, right. "Oh, it's just funny because she's like a little kid with big thighs." But there's messaging at work, man. There's it's. I don't oh, know. I, I don't know how to put this into words. How much that bothers me. The, those are kind of the things that have to to to, to really change. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because Amanda, my wife, would would often try to find blue outfits. If we have a friend who had a baby girl or my niece, she was looking for blue outfits because she's like, you know, you don't see a lot of blue for girls. And I want to change that. And so she would seek mm. out dark blues in in attire for young young girls, right, or, or young baby girls. And it was really hard. And, and you would find one in a huge batch you'd be searching and she's like that's what i'm gonna get i'm gonna get or blues i'm gonna i'm gonna get away from all the pinks and yellows and absolutely Uh, you know and like amanda i always look for for a nice newborn child Mm. i uh, i look for jet black yeah i like a goth child you like a goth child like a nice i love yeah (laughs) nothing wrong with that uh (laughs) at odds with the crying and all the emotion that they're um That they're dishing out, but uh, you know, to your point here about toxic masculinity, I, I I'm not sure if I've heard it phrased that way um, on a regular basis. It may have come across the radar, but beer and masculinity, absolutely. Sure. You you had said toxic, and I was like, oh man, that's interesting. Let's see what comes up when we um, when we look this up. You know. Yeah, toxic for me because it was expected that's what I drink. And if I was to be a masculine man with my friends, that's what I drank. And I think yeah. it goes beyond that too because in Canada it becomes nationalistic as well because one of our beers is called Canadian. So I didn't feel like I wasn't Canadian if I wasn't drinking sure. beer. And our beer alcohol is larger than the U.S., or was higher uh, in percentage than the U.S. So, you know, growing up, it was like, oh, well, I can drink beer because I'm a man. I'm a Canadian. Canadians can drink stronger beers than American. And that's just all bullshit, right? And that was yeah. fed to me, and I believed it. I, I indoctrinated it in my own thinking. And that's not where I want to be, and that's not where I'm going to be. Especially having seen how in Europe they don't they don't view food through a lens of uh, men eat this, women eat that. Like in the eighties, that book came out. Um, uh, real men, real men don't eat quiche, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a drop in quiche consumption, if you can believe it, based on this book that was written. That was sort of a satire in masculinity, right? Well, I, I think that's the issue that we, right, uh, as consumers, often whether we want to or not. Now, if you ask somebody, yeah. Let's say that book didn't exist. And you Mm -hmm. asked me, hey, man, what if a book called, if you said to me, do you like quiche? And I say, I love quiche. And uh, and you said, if a book came out that said real men don't eat quiche, would you stop eating quiche? I would say to you, no way. I'm in control. I'm a master of my own destiny. I love quiche. I'll eat quiche. What do I care? But in practice, when right. these things come out yep. and it becomes sort of a social norm and all this kind of stuff, you can't say what's going to happen. So uh, I want to give a shout out, uh, you know, along those lines to South Africa's 
Advertising Review Board, the a- ARB, I think it's called in, in South Africa. Do you know why, Marco? No, I, I think I do, but 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 continue. Earlier, earlier in 2022, um, they banned an ad by a beer that I, I've seen here and there, not very common. It's called Windhoek. Right. Uh, Windhoek is uh, H-O-E-K, right? Okay. The, the Dutch, the boar spelling there, the um, yep. South African spelling. Uh, owned by Heineken and Gerard Butler. That's right. Dad, right. And yeah, Gerard yep. Butler hasn't really, I mean, yeah, this is Sparta and all that, but he hasn't been seen in quite a while, but right. um, some, some guys are ordering beers and one particular guy. And if you know anything about the advertising world, every single thing in an ad is by design. Yes. And so by design, he was, you know, slightly, I would say a, a bit more gentle. Right, yes. I, maybe not meek, but but maybe a little bit borderline yeah. meek, redhead. Right, these are already right. like um, you get teased by macho right. men for being you know a redhead. You get yep. teased, or you, in some places you do, and you get teased for being um, a little bit more of a gentle person. And he uh, says, uh, "Can I have a lime with my beer?" And he makes a little, you know, the symbol if somebody was ever to say. Uh, this guy's got a small penis and they yeah. just put, but, but, but they do like an inch and a half with their yeah, fingers. Yeah, an inch and a half with their fingers kind of like spanning, Yeah, just spanning. a little, can I have yeah. a lime? And he does right. that again by design. There's no, there is no coincidence that that's the same thing somebody will do when they say it's small penis. He goes, can I right. have a lime? And he makes that finger gesture. And um, so that's all like, that messaging is, 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 ridiculous it's something we would see regularly in north america and then you see gerard butler from the bar right. turn around bearded macho gerard butler he makes the same finger gesture and he goes it's windhook you don't need a lime right and so the arb suggested that what you're trying to say is that real men drink quote-unquote real beer quote-unquote right. real men drink quote-unquote real beer and that somebody who doesn't drink a beer in a certain way is not. So it's a form of bullying. And it's also they, on the grounds that this is um, gender stereotyping and that should not be in ads. And it's an entrenchment of these uh, stereotypical you know, male roles and males should behave a certain way. And they use the words toxic masculinity sure. and they ban the ad. That's amazing. And, and Heineken was like, no, but the it, it's about the beer itself. And the, the guy drinks the beer and realizes that he likes it without the lime because it's a perfectly good beer. So it's not about them. Right. Bullshit. Yep. Every single thing in an ad from the background, from the background of the background that you yep. can barely see is so uh, meticulously planned. And and uh, intentionally put there that uh, you know you're insulting our intelligence, Heineken. I, I'm just and you're have a Heineken this weekend. I'm not going to. You're that's, saying that's, that from a from a place of knowing because you've you've done commercials, you've been on sets. They'll match backgrounds to the eyes of the protagonist. They'll do such specific small minutia that the the viewer doesn't necessarily realize. That takes hours on set. Yeah, and everything is intentional. And the sad thing about that is. If you're a young kid watching that commercial and you really like Gerard Butler 
and and he's telling you don't put lemons in drinks. You grow up thinking I'm not going to put lemon or lime in my beer, even though it might be something you enjoy. When I was in Barcelona, there was this beer called Damn Lemon. It was oh, a yeah. lemon beer, and it was fantastic. And I really enjoyed it, especially a hot day walking around, you know, pulling over to a cafe in Barcelona and having a damn lemon. It was fantastic. And I just, if I think about it, if I, if, you know, I was in my twenties and all my buddies were ordering Canadians and ice this and Labatt's that, and I ordered a damn lemon, I'm sure I would get sideways glances and I wouldn't have it, even though that's the beer I would enjoy on a hot summer that's day. That's the funny thing. And you know, th- this is what I was going to say earlier, Marco, that this machismo exists so cra- in such a crazy way that, uh, cause I was going to bring up one of my favorite beers, shout out to St. Ambroise brewery yes. in Quebec and St. Ambroise had an apricot wheat beer and has a picture of an apricot right on there. And the apricot looks like for better or for worse, looks like a pair of butt cheeks, you know, and yeah, it's like yeah. rosy, uh, you know, orange color. And, uh, maybe that's what attracted me. I don't know, but the Fair. face of that beer is fantastic. And when I'd order an apricot, I'd get sideways looks from friends all the right. time. Right. So even within beer, you're fighting to have the beer you like. And it's, uh, I mean, I, I, so getting back to the point, shout out to this South African review board, yes. because I think in North America, we would definitely, you know, on social media, there would be a, a campaign of outrage campaign right. I use loosely, uh, there would be like just maligning the beer and the company and look how bad this is. You yeah. know? Um, but I don't think the ad would be pulled. I I'm, I'm, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to think that, that we, would, we've that certainly ad had ads in Canada for our Canadian beer that have been toxin, toxic and masculine and perpetuating this idea of nationalism with beer and masculinity with beer. And, you know, you just have to do a, a quick little walk on the internet and type in uh, Canadian beer commercials uh, and you'll see a bunch of them. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I agree. And uh, another shout out to St. Uh, what was the, what was the brand? St. Ambroise. St. Ambroise. Ambroise. Cause they sponsor a lot of arts festivals oh, and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, so I just want to give them a shout out, a shout out for that. Sure. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, I would go out with friends for a dinner. And I wouldn't, with all my male friends, let's say, I'd go out with them and we'd order steak and potatoes. I wouldn't order a Do- Dover sole, let's say, or a gentle, like a like a sublime fish dish or something that wasn't hearty and meat driven. And that, once again, I didn't want to see be seen as less than the boys by ordering something that wasn't meat and potatoes, let's say. And yeah, that stops no, absolutely. too. That stops. That yeah. stopped for me over the last couple of years because- um, you know, it reminds me of, uh, of when we were kids and your, your parents would be like, you know, eat, eat, finish your plate, finish your plate. Right. But, I, but I'm, I'm full and I don't feel good. Doesn't matter. You finish your plate. Yep. There's kids starving. And it's like, that sucks for them. Right. Uh, I'm not sure how my eating this food is going to change their lot in life. You write these weird, illogical things that you grow up with, this logic that makes no sense. Um, and I railed against that as a, as a father, I was like, look, you don't have to stuff your face, but you have to try everything. I want sure. you to try everything. I want you to broaden your palate, but I'm not going to be the father who's like, I put two cups of rice in your plate and you're fish finishing every grain of those two cups. You know, we don't try not to do that, but it it's kind of the same weird thing about like, 
dude, get a steak. What's wrong with you? Yeah. But it's like, well, hold on. I don't feel good after eating a steak. Yeah. It's late. And I know that my cholesterol is high and I should probably eat something else and I'll feel better tomorrow. Yeah, I guess I'll get a steak because everyone's going to put this pressure on me. Those days are over for the last few years. And that's sad because I would have been in my mid-40s in the last few years. Right. But, but that's how long it takes to finally be like, guys, I have work to do tomorrow. I need to feel a certain way. I have the, a certain level of productivity I need to hit. So this is what I'm eating. And, and, and it goes back to one of my favorite lines ever that my friend Harp used on me once. Okay. Why are you taking my life so personally? Right. That's the line you got to throw out there. Yep. Why are you? Does it affect you materially, tangibly? Does it affect you if I order something different from you? Does your palate change if I put this Aperol spritz to my mouth and you yeah, put your exactly. beer? Like, no, it doesn't. Right. Now, that's tough for guys like you and I because that, you know, somebody might put whatever, I don't know ketchup on their sausage, Italian sausage that was handmade. Right, right. And it was, and then you, they got to be like, hey, me putting ketchup on this fennel and uh, lamb and wild boar sausage that your parents hand rolled. Yeah. Does that change? No, it doesn't change. It no, that's just offensive. Of a human being, exactly. That's offensive. That's not toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right. You know, there's a that's right fair. and a wrong. There's a right and a wrong. You know, that's like eating cereal with a fork. It just doesn't make sense, my friends. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. I'm going to dive a bit deeper Deep. into this beer okay. and toxic masculinity okay. because, because, um, uh, it's not the exact opposite because it's not toxic femininity. So sure. I, I can't say it's the exact opposite, but the marketing of wine to women mm -hmm. has also created its whole host of problems. And so, you know, I think some people are like, you're marketing beer to men yeah, and you should be marketing beer to women as well. Oh, but women only drink a small percentage of beer. Yeah, that's because you make yes. them believe as advertisers that they don't, they shouldn't be drinking beer, right? And then with wine, the same thing happens where men like you and I might feel reluctant to order a white or a rosé or something or a red when everyone's having beer mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, it's wine and, oh, wine o'clock, mommy time, right. all these mommy wine skinny groups. Bitch wine. Yeah. Skinny like, bitch wines. Exactly. Yeah. All this stuff. So uh, I think some people's suggestions, Marco, would be like, start advertising wine to men. Right. Start advertising beer to women. That might be where you stand. I actually, personally, I think there should be no advertising of alcohol at all. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. They don't have they don't advertise cigarettes anymore. So this is why, and 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 alcohol, in my estimation, way more damaging, way more damaging. Well, certainly, certainly damaging. Yes, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, alcohol advertising in other countries is very different than what we have here. And what's fascinating is when you take that sort of um, plethora of advertising that's uh, thrown at the the viewer or the person, you know, I've always found it interesting when I'm, and I'm going to use Italy or France because I've, I've, I've worked in both countries and, I've, and I have friends and family in both countries. Their knowledge of alcohol, in particular regional alcohol, so wines in particular, is so far greater than ours that no matter what advertisement you try to push at Europeans about red wine is what men drink, white wine, and they're like, no, 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 no. There's a white that grows here that we drink, that we pick, that we grow, that we love, that I know intimately. And in that next region, this is what they drink. 
And I know that too. And so they become more accustomed to what, what is grown, what is made in their country. And because we're mass marketed with these big beer conglomerates, and that's changing with a lot of local craft beers and wine coming into our sort of, you know, you talk to someone from California, for example, they know their wines and that's how it should be. A lot of them mm-hmm. in California are like, oh, this is a Napa wine. This is a Sonoma wine. This is a wine by this company purveyor. And you'll notice that in, you know, uh, you'll notice that in places like uh, Washington and Oregon too, right? And it's like, we need to we need to broaden our mind uh, to what's available to us locally. And we've got some fine products. I was talking with someone I saw at the airport, 40 Creek whiskey or rye was on mm-hmm. sale for 14 bucks. And it is such a fine wonderful rye whiskey for $14. I was like, this is incredible for this price. I was, I was Mm. traveling and I didn't, I wasn't able to pick up a bottle, but my heart broke a bit, but that's because I'm aware of what we're making here in Ontario, in Canada. Right. And I think we, I think we need to, to make a a little more connection with that as well. I a hundred percent agree with that. My, My thinking about, you know, um, as you said, these conglomerates, these big corporations, Somebody who was living in England, I think it was a comedian who was living in England, pointed this out on on Facebook once, a Canadian who had moved to England. And every morning, particularly on the weekends, but every single morning, he would wake up and see destruction and vandalism across the city everywhere he went. Bus shelters just bashed to pieces, the right. glass all over the road, other stuff vandalized because you have a borderline uh, epidemic of alcoholism in, in the UK. Right. Uh, but even if you didn't, there's like drinking and driving and there's deaths sure. and all this kind of stuff. And he said, this is all caused by alcohol. Right. There's no doubt about that. We don't even see the price of domestic violence and all the other, there's so many things behind the scenes, right? Uh, the health costs. Sure. But we see all this vandalism and damage and accidents and all this kind of stuff. He said, this should be calculated. And at the end of the year, there should be an amount. And every single uh, alcohol producer who markets their booze should have to pay into that to um, you know, replenish these funds, uh-huh. to rebuild cities. The hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cities, right? Right. So at that point, you'd see some responsible marketing from advertisers. Right. At that point, they'd think twice. They'd be like, you know what? Let's just put our name and leave it at that. Right. Let's just put, you know, Heineken with a little drop coming off the end. Oh, it's thirst quenching. Let's not have too much of this and that. So we're not on the line. So these guys are all off the hook for all kinds of things that yep. they themselves are responsible for. So for me, uh, that's why I say like uh, smoking comes to mind. Sure. Because, uh, God, if we ban smoking, why are we not banning alcohol and mm-hmm. advertisement? I, I really think until they are part and parcel of the damage that they are doing in society and until they are taking ownership of it and, 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 and helping out, or at least, you know, it's a slippery slope. They're like, as soon as we admit culpability, we can get sued. So right. they would never do it, but there should be some pot or something that they all chip into. And, um, and so until that happens, I'm like fully for, uh, no advertising of, uh, of any alcohol company, uh, especially on a mass level. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think you bring up a really interesting port- point, Ali, here in that the other issue along with that is that advertising by alcohol purveyors often will crush what the small batch breweries or distilleries are able to do because, mm-hmm. you know, a small distillery cannot compete with a Heineken, with a Bacardi's and whatnot. So 
there's not a level playing field when everyone's being conditioned to the fact that you should be drinking this rum or this big, you know, vodka brand versus the small guy that's being made locally. Like there's a beautiful Icelandic vodka. You never see any, um, any out of Reykjavik, you never see any advertising for them because all the vodka is absolute stoli, all these gray goose, all that advertisement from these large, large, you know, distilleries are coming out. And and yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. so I think, I think it, it would service the small independent, um, you know, distillery. Buddy, do you want to tell us the name of the Icelandic uh, vodka? I, I got I to I I got, I look it up. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, it's one of my favorite. You I have it upstairs. Throw it out there. You're like, no one's talking about it. And then you're like, basically, and that includes me. Reka, Reka, R-E-Y-K. Yeah, as in Reykjavik. Yeah, yeah, that's why I knew Reykjavik. And I didn't want to say it was called Reykjavik, but it's called Reka. Yeah, it's a fantastic vodka. Get it. It's wonderful. Okay, I will give that a try. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's an eye-opener. Sometimes you buy a wine and you find out it's 11 bucks. So you're like, ah, probably crap. And then the person who knows something about wine tells you, no, not at all. They just do zero marketing. Mm -hmm. And... This is, you're just paying for the wine and the transportation of it, and that's it. Of course, there's a profit margin in there, but you don't need an extra $5 a bottle because of all the advertising they've done. And it just reminds you of how much advertising is happening. Yep. Well, listen, I can promise you this. Next time you and I are together, we're going to have a nice, beautiful bottle of rosé chilled in a tall glass and enjoy the, the, the summer that's amongst us. I love it. I'll probably have a beer as a starter. I like That's that fine. base. Listen, <laughs> you have I, everybody I, do whatever makes them comfortable. Is I will of. not judge what you drink or eat. And if you judge or drink what I eat, not you, but anyone does, that's your problem, not mine, because I'm going to, I'm going to get whatever I want to, I'm going to squeeze whatever lemon or lime I want in my drink. I'm going to get whatever delicate entree that I want. I'm going to eat quiche till the cows come home. Cause I love a quiche. I love a quiche too. Stop taking my life so personally use it that's my friend harp said that to me it's yours whenever you need it lean into it if you need to uh and uh, and and tell us what your thoughts are on uh, on 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 beer and this you know toxic masculinity and and also the state of advertising and alcohol in general you know it's um personally i find it troubling but if you can calm me down and uh, i'd be open to that if you can show me some hope that everything's going to be okay. I always like that. Uh, but you can write into us. Uh, Marco, give people the details of, of course. where we can be found. So you can uh, write to us at this podcast is delicious at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle. This podcast is delicious. You'll see our face. You'll see our, our logo for the podcast. And you can, you can contact us any way that makes you happy and will respond eventually. That, that's the moment where Marco does his audition for a voiceover work yeah. right there. And you can contact us at, uh, it's all a goofy ding dong the entire time until the end. So I always like to leave you that moment to do your audition. No, that's, I'm, I'm trying to be clear for our listeners just because I'm not banging the table in front of me, which I'll leave. Did like, I bang the table today? No, uh, no, you didn't actually. I, I take that back. You didn't bang the table. But oh Ali has a tracker on his phone so he knows if I'm in a room with him because I went to see you perform and then I got a message that you knew I was in the room and I was like, what? He's tracking me. He's, he's making sure that I'm always at least 10 feet away from him when we're in a place. I, I still don't understand fully the details because in my house, sometimes, uh, if somebody's in my house, uh, I'll get a little pop-up and it'll say, uh, Noor Hadidis, my friend who helps me with my uh, writing of some of my comedy. So Noor was around the other day and, um, 
Noor Hadidi would like to um, would like to access your Wi-Fi. Phil Lutzi would like to access your Wi-Fi. So I've never seen that before. That's a recent thing. Yeah. And it comes on, on your phone. So then I think they don't need to know your Wi-Fi password. They just try to access the Wi-Fi and then you say yes or no. I think that's what's happening. Friends, he's thing. tracking us. If you're a friend of Ali, he's, he's tracking, tracking us. So this is what happened at the comedy bar. Right. Marco came out and it said, Marco would like to use the password. I was like, what? It's not even my password. It's the comedy <laughs> bar. So this was weird. I think uh, we're, we're putting each other in touch with each other's worlds and we don't even know about it. Um, all that to say, uh, Marco, I should mention this. The reason you are out. I was going to was- say, and, 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 and folks, I'm excited. I was going to set this up, but, uh, but I'm glad you're taking it. Ali has a book coming out. I've pre-ordered mine. I cannot wait. Simon Schuster, right? Is publishing Simon your book. So tell us about it and let us let our American or our international listeners know where they can get a copy of it. I think uh, internationally, you can probably go on Amazon. Okay. Uh, America, you definitely can. Right. Um, you can ask a local bookstore to get it as well if you think that this is something that your community would like. It is a comedic <laughs> memoir. It is called Is There Bacon in Heaven? A question I asked often as a young person, uh, which was met with much uh, derision or uh, people just ignored me straight up. They did not like that question. As a Muslim, I shouldn't have been asking, I suppose. But I was curious from day one. And it's uh, based on a show that I toured across the country for four years. That's sort of the kernel of it. And then it's gone into this one. It's like a love letter to my kids and my dad and, uh, you know, an investigation of identity and uh, and and self worth even at some at some level, but it's all done in a, a comedic tone. And if you like comedic memoirs, I'm I'm quite sure you'll uh, you'll like this book. It's been endorsed by some some of the heavy hitters in Canada, like Steve Patterson and, and Rick Mercer. I was very happy that they read the book and they gave it an endorsement. So that's wonderful. Yeah, is there bacon in heaven? You can find it. Uh, Indigo in Canada, Amazon in the U.S., fine bookstores and retailers uh, everywhere. Comes out September 27th, but you can pre-order it now. There you go. Or go to Simon & Schuster, whatever country you are, and say, where can I get this book? Demand it. There you go. Demand it. Cause a ruckus. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, that, But uh, awesome, awesome conversation. Thank you, Ali. I just texted him yesterday. I was like, toxic masculinity and beer. And he's like, let's do it. And I'm very excited. Thank you for that. The weird thing is this has made me thirsty for a beer. And I'm sure I'm not alone. <laughs> but, but, but only one. And recognizing that I have a responsibility to not, you know, force others to have the same. Yep. Buddy, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you to all our listeners. Appreciate you being here. Until... We eat and drink and enjoy again. <laughs> <laughs>